History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 436th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're going to be hitting a location that's a short drive outside of Kansas City in Liberty, Missouri. This is the Belvoir Winery. Lots of haunts going on here. Excellent. This was suggested by our listener, Seth Ackerley. So thank you for suggesting that, Seth. Before we get into talking about that, we have two people to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Melissa and Lori with an IE. Thank you for joining us in our Facebook group. And now, this moment, Noddity. Inside the Angeles National Forest in the San Gabriel Mountains, above the city of Azusa in California, one will find the Shoemaker Canyon Road. Sounds like an innocuous road until you hear its nickname, the Armageddon Road. This is a road that was never finished. Construction began during the early part of the Cold War in the 1950s and was meant to give the citizens of Los Angeles an escape route if there was ever a nuclear attack. What has been left behind are two abandoned long tunnels that measure less than 4.5 miles long. The project was left undone when funds just ran out. People can still drive the first 1.8 miles of Armageddon Highway and then walk or mountain bike the remaining graded dirt section that ends at the pair of tunnels. The tunnels are very dark, so be careful if you visit. An incomplete highway built through a mountain that was meant to escape a nuclear Armageddon certainly is odd. And now, this month in history. In the month of May, on the 3rd in 1942, the Battle of the Coral Sea begins. The four-day battle between American and Japanese forces was the first air-naval battle in history. Allied forces had intercepted a message that revealed that the Japanese were planning to invade Port Moresby in southeast New Guinea. This would give Japan control of the Coral Sea. Japanese were surprised by an attack of American planes from aircraft carriers when they entered the area. Both sides would suffer losses with the Japanese losing 70 warplanes and America lost 66. The victory went to the Allies because the Japanese were left without enough planes to carry out the invasion on Port Moresby. This strategic victory would also help the Allies in the future Battle of Midway. That battle would end Japan's advance and lead to the final surrender of Japan. The greatest loss during the Battle of the Coral Sea for the Allied side was the USS Lexington. 216 crewmen died when the aircraft carrier was destroyed. 
We covered the haunted USS Lexington in episode 114. There are three historic buildings that still stand on the property that is now home to the Belvoir Winery in Liberty, Missouri. The buildings were originally built as the Oddfellows home and served as an orphanage, a nursing home, a hospital, and now the winery. Claims of unexplained activity started in the 1950s, and the paranormal activity has only ramped up over the years. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the Belvoir Winery. Liberty, Missouri is the second oldest incorporated town west of the Mississippi, and the name was inspired by one of the unalienable rights in the U.S. Constitution. Settlers started arriving in the early 1800s, and the town was officially incorporated in 1829. Liberty was considered the jumping-off point for people wanting to head into the frontier. Westward expansion would launch from here, and Liberty Landing became an important dock. Joseph Smith was in jail here during the winter of 1839 after the Mormon War. And a little fun fact, going back to the Liberty Landing dock, steamboats fired a cannon before they arrived at the dock to give the town a heads up. Oh, my word. We're bringing (laughs) your supplies. Anybody want to come shopping? Kaboom. (laughs) Better hope you're uh, firing the cannon somewhere where there isn't something. Oops, sorry about that. We hit the shop we were supposed to drop the load off at. The Independent Order of Oddfellows or IOOF, is one of the oldest and largest fraternal orders in America. They're also a secret society and have their own set of rituals. The group was formed in the United States in 1819, but originally got started in Europe in the 18th century. They commit themselves to elevating the character of the person and embracing diversity. The command of IOOF is to visit the sick, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphan and they dedicated themselves to helping those less fortunate. They built various homes around the country for orphans, widows, and the elderly, and one of these places was Liberty, Missouri. The IOOF got started in 1835, and by the end of the century, they had built their odd fellow's home on a plot of 240 acres. The process got started in 1883 with the first petition to establish a state odd fellow's home. Bids would be taken starting in 1894 to locate a site, and Liberty was selected on the fourth ballot. It probably helped that Liberty offered $17,000 in money, and the Liberty School Board offered free tuition to Liberty High School for children who would be living at the orphanage. Kelly, secret societies have always intrigued me ever since I was a kid. Because they're secret? Exactly. (laughs) No, it's just anything that has that mysterious thing to it, whether it's the Masons or what have you. Now, the Oddfellows have a lot of good stuff behind them. Most secret societies on the surface apparently do as well. A lot of our listeners will be very familiar with one of their symbols because we've had it on our cemetery bingo a couple times. And it's that chain that has the three links on it. You'll see this on headstones quite often for people who are members of the Oddfellows. And those three link chains stand for friendship, love, and truth. 
And they also represent this. They have another symbol that has arrows instead, and it represents the friendship, love, and truth as well. Is that when they have the arrows that are kind of crossed in an X and then one through the middle as well? Yeah. And then usually with that symbol, they have a bundle of sticks that goes with it. And it, that stands for concerted efforts. So as we can see here, the Oddfellows came in here and they wanted to do some good. And that's why they're going to build what we're going to be looking at here. But on top of all of that, the other thing that makes the Oddfellows fun is the skeleton. <laughs> Anybody who's gone through an Oddfellows former temple or whatever, you've heard that they've always had skeleton, one skeleton in there. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that in a bit. The IOOF were basically going to upgrade the almshouse, which had been popular in the country previous to this time. These buildings would be more modern and have heating and plumbing. The first structure built here didn't last long. Get a load of this, Kelly. The pipes had frozen one winter, and in an attempt to unthaw the pipes, the entire building was burned down. Oh, my word. So I believe <laughs> no. the first structure that was here had been a hotel. And so when the Oddfellows came along and they bought the property, they bought the hotel as well. And that's what they converted into their Oddfellows home. And the cook got this brilliant idea because apparently he needed to get some water out of the pipes. I don't know how he did it because oh this would have been at an earlier time. So I don't know if he set a fire or what, but he burned the place down. The order put out a call to architects who could design fireproof buildings. Maybe not hire that cook again. <laughs> that would really help. One of these architects was William B. Itner, who specialized in the Jacobethan Revival architectural style. This is a unique style that mixes Renaissance Revival with Elizabethan and features high chimneys, Tudor arches, steep roof gables, and terracotta brickwork. It's very cool looking. And I love the high chimneys. They always look so cool. If you're ever in the UK pavilion at Epcot, several of the buildings there have those high chimneys on them. Indeed, they do. To show you that Elizabethan style. For those of you who've watched Downton Abbey, Highclere Castle, which is where the family basically is at, is an example of this style. So if you just think about where they lived, you'll know what we're talking about. Something else that Itner specialized in was designing schools. His firm had designed hundreds of schools in 25 states. He designed the main administration building. J.H. Felt and Company of Kansas City designed the school building in 1904 in the same style as Itner's building. That was eventually torn down in the early 1950s. Architect E.C. Eckel built the Old Folks Pavilion in 1907, and yes, that is what they call it still to this day. The Old Hospital was designed by Samuel M. Hitt of Kansas City and built in 1923. Both of these buildings also had similar styling to the Jacobethan Revival style. So when you look at what now is the three buildings that still exist on the property, they all kind of look like they were built at the same time and in the same style, but they weren't. It was just they made sure that they kind of kept them looking the same. Well, I'm glad because it makes it more cohesive, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And they're really, I mean, on the outside, they look really nice. You go on the inside and there's some love that needs to be had other than for the main administration building there. So there were four buildings on the property by the 1920s. The main building, which served as the orphanage, an old folks home, a hospital and the school building. A bunker would be added that served as a storm shelter and was one of the favorite places for the kids to play. There was also a farm on the property and a cemetery. The farm produced really well, and as an example, in 1901, it produced 838 bushels of oats, 2,000 bushels of corn, 500 bushels of Irish potatoes, 3 tons of hay, 7,863 gallons of milk, 1,714 pounds of butter, and 325 dozen eggs. 
Sounds like my kind of store. (laughs) Most of the food was kept on site for feeding the residents. For the order, these types of homes provided a type of health and life insurance. There was a promise of care for yourself and your loved ones. The old hospital was built in 1923 on the north side of the property. Unbelievably, at that time, this was the only hospital in Liberty. And even more unbelievably, this only choice for a hospital was pretty much outdated from the moment it opened with narrow doors and hallways. Equipment and patient beds couldn't be moved through them. The property started out as pretty kid-heavy, but as the years progressed, there were more adults, and by 1951, there were no more children. But when the kids were there, they would often perform plays and give recitals for their elderly neighbors. I think that's kind of a really cool setup, because can you imagine how nice it would be for older people to have children around like that? Absolutely, and then it's like having tons of grandparents around Yeah, for so the they, kids. they had all these mentors there and stuff, so I, I think that's a really cool setup to have a nursing home and a or as they called it, an old folks home and an orphanage next to each other. They both needed each other. The nursing home was built in 1955. As part of the complete care at the Oddfellows Complex, burial was provided along with a headstone. So it really was full health and life insurance, basically. One-stop shop. <laughs> yeah, so you know your family's <laughs> going to be taken care of, your health needs are going to be taken care of, and when you die, they're going to go ahead and bury you and give you a headstone. Most of the elderly had no other arrangements, so they were buried at the cemetery on the property. Any current IOOF members could be buried in the cemetery as well. They didn't have to live on the property for that. In total, 10,000 people died on the property, but only 600 of them are buried here. Just outside the cemetery gates, it's a memorial dedicated to Liberty IOOF members who were killed in World War II. Jesse Limecooler's family bought the property, which only has 36 acres now, in the late 1990s. They started with refurbishing the main building and making the first floor their winery. Today, the Belvoir Winery is an inn and and a preeminent wedding venue. They're open seven days a week for wine tastings and tours. They host lots of special events, including paranormal investigations. And there's enough unexplained stuff going on here to attract ghost hunters, ghost adventures, and kindred spirits to investigate the property on their shows. The inn opened in 2017 with eight rooms and one large bridal suite. In the following two years, 16 rooms were vacated in the middle of the night due to unexplained activity. So apparently some of these people don't know that that inn there now is a little haunted. Jesse has been here for more than 25 years, and in this time he's heard voices, had doors open and closed by themselves, and seen three apparitions. One of those was a young boy wearing clothes dating to decades ago. He told KMBC, I looked down at my arm and it had like big goosebumps. When they say like your hair stands on end, I mean, it's like a comb. It stands directly on end. (laughs) And for those of us who have, we haven't seen an apparition necessarily, but been touched and stuff. It does. I mean, it has an electrical feel for sure. When it says your hair stands on end, you definitely feel that way. But with the way he describes it, I'm picturing a man with like curly hair on his arms and it just goes boink. (laughs) (laughs) The way he described it. I just combed out my arms. Yeah. (laughs) Many guests and staff have experienced stuff on the property. A guest named Danny was in the bunker with a group and a woman suggested that they sing Ring Around the Rosie and see if they got any interaction. Right after the first line was sung, the group distinctly heard a child's voice sing, A Pocket Full of Posies. Aww. Now, I love this because sometimes, 
you know, we've caught things on the spirit box where it sounds like us coming back at ourselves. Sometimes when you have an EVP and you get a little bit of weird distortion or something, it does make you wonder, is it just us somehow pinging back because the speed of sound has changed for a moment or something? But when you get the next line of the song and you haven't sung it, that's very cool. That to me is no doubt about it. We had something paranormal going on here. On top of that, the sound even echoed. That's amazing. Yeah. A man in black has been seen looking out of the windows of the nursing home building. The inn keeps a log where guests can enter their experiences, which I say all the time, I love when hotels and inns do this kind of thing. Ruthie W. wrote in August of 2018, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. So we put this song on my phone last night, turned off the lights, and began to record. Little white orbs danced around the room. They really loved that song. Thankfully, we recorded it so we can share it with friends. This place is magical, and we really love coming here. The wine and appetizers are wonderful, too. That's fantastic. We were watching a video before we started recording, and a woman was sitting out in front of it. I think she was a reporter for a local station or something, and she's like, you know, they've got wine in here and these wonderful appetizers, and I've heard that it's haunted. If it has chocolate in there, I may never leave. And I was like... Sounds kind of like me and Kelly. (laughs) Throw in some beer and yeah, I probably would just go ahead and stay. (laughs) I'd be fine with just the wine, but I like beer too. (laughs) Ghost Hunters visited in 2013 and Jesse told the crew that he himself had experienced the sound of children playing on the third floor. He also brought his daughter with him one day. And while he was in the ballroom, she wandered down the hall and he heard her say, Mommy, Mommy. And then he heard a female voice say, Well, hello, little one. Jesse went into the hallway to see who his daughter was talking to, and there was no one else in the building. I was like, wow. Because <laughs> not only does he hear his daughter talking to something he can't see, but it responded back to his daughter. Yeah. And the fact that she said, mommy, mommy, it must have looked kind of similar to his wife. I would figure. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. A photographer named Brian told Jason that he had left his camera bag in a room on the first floor, which he locked before he went up to the third floor to look around. When he came back down, he found the door ajar and the stuff in his camera bag had been rearranged as if someone had been going through it. He was the only one in the building at the time. The hair on the back of his neck stood up. So I'm envisioning, since we know we've got a lot of interaction with child ghosts here, you can imagine they're like, hey, let's see what's in the bag. And they're pulling the stuff out and looking at all of it. Definitely. I just, you know how I am when it's this physical interaction, touching things, moving things. It just amazes me. How does that happen? A woman told the Ghost Hunters crew that she had a chilling experience in the nursing home. She felt something pressing down on her and she suddenly couldn't move her arms. She could feel them, just wasn't able to move them. She felt that it was something dark and negative. Piano music is heard in the ballroom when no one is in there playing. Amy and Adam were with the Ghost Hunters in 2013, and they heard music playing. Adam sat at the piano and played a few keys, and then they heard the piano again, but coming from somewhere else. So they go looking towards the sound of where they heard it, and they found another piano. So there were two pianos in the building. Two other people on the team asked the spirits if the upcoming demolition that was coming for the nursing home would result in the dark energies in that building moving to the other buildings. The REM pod indicated at two different times that this would be the case. 
Now, this was back in 2013. Everything that I've watched since looks like the nursing home is still there. So I don't think they they never did demolish it. That does seem to be where some of the negative energy seems to be at. So I don't know if that's why they're not demolishing it because they're, I know they do have some fears of it coming out of there and wandering around somewhere else, but I don't know. Ghost Adventures visited the winery in 2015. The guys had interference with their equipment and heard disembodied singing of children and a growl. The Ophelist said Nick, send, Nick, Paula, out, and funeral. They also heard knocking and saw a misty apparition. The spirit box said, you take it. How you doing? I murder. I'm back. And several. Yeah, I don't think I like that I murder. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. This isn't a jail, so. Zach felt something grab his wrist at one point. Billy conducted an EVP session by himself for two hours and supposedly slipped into a catatonic state while doing that. Yeah, Aaron went to go look for him and had to kind of pull him out of whatever was going on. Whenever I see stuff like that, I'm like... Yeah, I know. I don't really buy that, but okay. Sometimes when we're investigating, I kind of get into a catatonic state, but I think it's because it's like midnight and it's way past my bedtime. You're falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little catatonic. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> it's the ghost of Curly. <laughs> oh, certainly. Kindred spirits visited in 2019. At this point, the nursing home was still standing and the activity in here had increased, especially in the morgue. So this is the one place on the property that has a morgue. And this building, the nursing home and the old folks home is in a really sad state. So when people are investigating there, you got to be careful and stuff like that. The energy on the whole property seemed to be getting meaner. Women were getting their hair pulled and people were being pushed and pinched. Jesse said that he was in the old folks home with another person and they both saw something down one of the hallways. It looked like somebody had reached out from a room and put their arm around the door frame, and then the spirit peeked out. That's just peekaboo. That's not bad. Yeah, we're trying to teach the bird to play peekaboo. This was room 37 <laughs> for those of you who would want to know that. Amy and Adam set up cameras in the nursing home and totally caught a creepy shadow figure. So they rushed over there to see what was going on, and I saw it. it definitely, there was some kind of shadow something that went past it, and I was like, yikes. But yeah, I would have gone running over there, too. The batteries in their recorder were immediately drained, and so they replaced them. Amy was like, Adam, I I thought I told you to replace these batteries. And he's like, I did. So one of their crew had to go grab some. Amy took the recorder down to where the shadow figure had been, and she left the recorder. They heard an audible voice behind them as they started an EVP session. They also saw a figure, you know this, Kelly, climbing along the ceiling in the way a human would not move. Very chilling. Yikes. Chip Coffee and Johnny L. Tenney joined Amy and Adam later. As they all investigated together in the old folks' home, Amy was touched on the back. An EVP led them to check out room 19. They had found out through their research that there was a violent man who had committed suicide in the old folks' home, and they believed they were speaking with this apparition. They had several names, and an EVP verified that this was Fred. So they had a lot of names on a piece of paper, and so they figured out that this was Fred they were talking to. And another EVP verified that the last name was Leitz. But nothing about this spirit was negative. So they believe that something else was causing the negative experiences guests were having. So every interaction that they were having with Fred was fine. He wasn't being mean to them. He wasn't telling them to get out. He wasn't pushing them, anything like that. So they're like, this isn't the person we're getting trouble from. Because they thought maybe it would be him since he, you know, was supposedly violent and had killed himself. But they think there's something else going on there. The group then went to the nursing home and the negative activity started manifesting. 
there was an audible child's voice. Amy and Adam had heard the same voice the night before, and they believed it was trying to lead them out of the nursing home. Which is, you know, interesting if you think that the children were there kind of looking out for them and being like, you don't want to be in here with whatever's in here. Right, could be. Chip felt that the entity was low-level demonic and after the kids, and they captured that weird ceiling crawling thing on the SLS camera, which, of course, they showed on TV, and it was like, ugh. (laughs) I don't know what that is. I wouldn't want to see it without just being the stick figure that the SLS forms, because, yikes. pretty creepy. And, you know, generally, I think Chip Coffee is pretty legit. This one, it was hard for me to be like, absolutely, Chip is feeling this low-level demonic because he already had information before he went in there about this. So, you know, if somebody has the information ahead of time, I don't necessarily believe them when they're saying that kind of stuff. Because, again, it's not that I don't believe in demonic activity. I just think it's a big rarity. And I honestly don't know why it would be in a nursing home. I mean, I know you have a lot of death in a nursing home and there can be loneliness and some negative feelings there. So I don't know if it's just coming in and feeding off of that or if there's been enough investigating going on here that it's manifested through that kind of thing. Right. And the big problem is you don't know how every team has gone in and investigated. They might have tried to summon a spirit and got something that they didn't plan on. That's true. I mean, anytime I know a lot of our listeners have gone out on investigations, I haven't been in a place yet that has not been very specific about don't manifest, don't try to cleanse, you know, don't bring in Ouija boards, don't do this, this and this. And, you know, there's people who end up doing that kind of stuff. And it's just like we've talked about on some of the paranormal conversations that we've had with other people who do investigating. A lot of it's the energy that you're bringing in is what you're going to get out of it. So what is chip low level demonic? Oh, stop. You're (laughs) terrible. Amy and Adam got Jesse and his family and employees to help banish this negative thing with positive energy. This was at the tail end of the show. I thought it was a really neat thing to do. Everybody kind of stood on the outside of the building, put their hands on it. They just thought about positive things about the building, positive experiences they'd had on the property, singing songs, just really putting that positive energy out there. Because again, we we believe in tulpas. And if you do have enough people coming in and thinking negative and looking for negative, it might have built up this kind of negative energy. Sure. Now, whether it actually did anything, I don't know, because the show ended like that. And we haven't been on the property. So I don't know if it managed to banish whatever it was. But at least for the time being, they felt a little bit better about it. For people who don't know, a skeleton was very much part of the Oddfellows rituals. The first one was a member named George, and he donated his skeleton to the lodge. Now, every skeleton inside an Odd Fellows building is named George. The George that was at Belvoir Winery is still there in a case. Now, I don't know about the skeletons that are in these later Odd Fellow buildings, if they're the real deal, but the first one definitely was. And I kind of have a feeling that they were real in all the other ones, too. It just seems like that would be more part of making their rituals more legit if you had an actual skeleton there. And I believe the one that's here at the winery is legit, too. The Belvoir Winery is a beautiful property. This was home for a variety of people through the years. Have the spirits of some of those previous residents decided to stay here? Is Belvoir Winery haunted? That That is for you to decide. If we ever get over to the Kansas City area... I definitely would love to check this out. I I love properties that embrace when they have some haunting stuff going on there. And it really does look like a beautiful property on the outside and what they've done with the inside of it with the refurbishment and everything. 
We'd love to have you guys check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you'd like to send us some feedback and you know we love it, you can send that to historyghostbump at gmail.com. Or as you guys all know, if you comment or send us messages through some of our social medias, we will also respond back to those and include those here as well. And along those lines, Kelly, I know we're a couple of middle-aged women, but we've finally gotten on the TikTok parade. (laughs) Yes, we have. After hearing so much about it and having so many of those come across the reels on Instagram and on Facebook, I was like, you know, maybe we should go ahead and start a TikTok channel. I'm glad we finally did. So you can find us at History Goes Bump. Please follow us there. We follow you back or let us know your handle and we'll find you. And I decided the first video that we put up there because here's another great thing that didn't necessarily start out as a great thing. Kelly, people always wonder how I have the time to do everything that I do. (laughs) Right. But what they never think about is how the hell does her laptop take all that abuse? This is true because it's a complete workhorse just like you. Yeah, when I'm not cleaning houses, I am on the laptop, which is a lot. So Kelly and I are planning a little road trip up to Salem. Yes, we will let you all know the things that we're doing along the path if you want to join us for ghost tours or what have you. And I looked up because Kelly had said something. I went, Kelly, I like yelled. And whatever I did when I yelled, it must have been (laughs) really horrifying for the laptop because I looked down at my laptop and the screen was melting away. And I was like, what is happening? What's happening? And it got all pixelated and weird colors. So I was like, well, let me restart it because I don't know, something got kind of weird and no more screen came up. Waited a while and tried to reboot it again. And I was like, oh, my God, which is complete panic for as other indie creators out there know when it comes to podcasting and stuff. It's like, oh, my God, you just cut my arms and legs off. You know, as we were perusing what we're planning on doing along the trip, I think it was the statue of Belfamet that did it. (laughs) Because we had just (laughs) gotten sidetracked onto a different website, essentially, and saw that. And it was almost immediately after that. Kelly, you know, we don't believe in coincidences around here. We don't. And it was really funny because I was like, well, let me just put in because I have haunted books about stuff in Salem. But I also wanted to see what are some other things to see around there. And so I just put in things to do in Salem and it was like top 10 things to see in Salem. So, you know, it had the Salem Witch Museum and then it had the House of Seven Gables and then the Satanic Temple. And I'm like, I don't know that I put that in my top 10 for like families. And it had pictures that went with each one of the suggestions. And the picture for this one was a statue of Baphomet with these two children that are looking up at him lovingly or I don't know what the hell's going on with the statue. I know a lot of people have probably seen it. I went on to another page and then said something to Kelly. So I don't know if there was a connection. Needless to say, thank you to the executive producers of History Goes Bump, because we're not kidding when we say you guys are the ones who keep us going. Normally, I would have been in a complete panic going, I can't plop down another you know, $1,000 on a laptop because I need something that you know isn't just a little simple laptop. It's got to take on video and all kinds of stuff. So Thankfully, I didn't have to panic about that because you guys keep us running. So thank you for the brand new laptop that we have. That being said, the new laptop I got has these apps that you can have on it with Instagram and TikTok and everything. So I can do videos straight from the computer, not just from the phone. So that's why I was like, well, maybe we'll go ahead and jump on the TikTok bandwagon. And all the younger generations are going, dude, that's been around for a long time. I know. (laughs) 
So uh, the first video that we have up on our TikTok, I went back through some of the old videos we have and I found Kelly when we went into Greenwood Cemetery and we were at the nursery area and we were singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and got a little child spirit to turn on and off the flashlight for us. So you can see that video there and we also put it up on Instagram. Yeah, that was a really neat experience. And then we heard from Mary over on Patreon. She said, I lived in Rapid City my whole life. For my 16th birthday, mom let me and my friends stay in the bride's room. And that's at the Hotel Alex Johnson, which was our last episode. We had all the lights on to start with, just chilling. It was a weekend in January and no one was at the hotel. Mom knew a staff member who agreed to let us stay by ourselves. While staying in the bride room, 8-12, the light in the bathroom turned off on its own. I never screamed so loud. Not only that, as we slept, we left the bathroom light on because we were too scared to sleep with all the lights off, lol. Childish now, but hey, we were scared. I woke up to my friend grabbing my arm and whispering, did you just yank my ankle? I thought she was kidding, and I laughed. I looked towards the window, and I swear, in the reflection, I saw a lady in white walking out of the room. We screamed yet again and took the (laughs) stairs to the lobby. Poor front desk guy took us to our room as if we were small children and he was our family. He unlocked the door and checked the room. He smiled and apologized for the bride's behavior and left us alone. I'm not going to lie. We decided to not sleep after that. Aww. <laughs> but what a cool experience. And then to see the what might have been the bride walking Definitely. out. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. And she and her mom were really excited because we did something in their area. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I did that. Because I was like, we haven't done anything in South Dakota for a while. So want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to thank Jonathan Morningstar for increasing his support. We're going to be moving him under an obelisk tombstone. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us. This is God dang. Are you there, Kelly? Tune My in your voice, voice is just crackling away today. And this is Kelly. There are three historic buildings that still stand on the property that is now home to the Belvoir. Now it's going to get in my head. Yeah, we were discussing how do you say Belvoir Winery? And I say Belvoir. 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 It does sound a little bit it's more French. winery. <laughs> ish <laughs> but everybody that i've heard on tv that has investigated the place and the videos on youtube have all said belvoir not belvoir 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 just not as drawn out as I, as I say it yeah <laughs> a bunker would be added later nope 
<laughs> we have so many bloopers of you saying, da, 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 nope. Da, da. nope. <laughs> now everybody knows that's exactly what Kelly does. I write my own script. Yeah, I made a mistake. <laughs> nope. The inn opened in 2017 with eight rooms and one large boy. Bo- 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 Bridal suite. It's a bridal suite.